back here for another episode of Contextualized. Looking at Second Corinthians, and it is Pastor Jim and me, AJ. So, Jim, how you doing? I'm great. I'm great. We love Good. the sunny morning. It's not going to be sunny all day, though. This is a weird day. I've not like, looked at the weather. I think it's going to rain this afternoon, but man, I love the fall. Yeah. It's been amazing in East Tennessee. Yeah. I, I hope you're near a window most of this week. Right. Yep. It's a... It's an enjoyable week in that regard. Yeah, so one of the things we were just talking about was we a week ago today, we had yeah. a one-day preview workshop, Charles Simeon Trust Preaching Workshop, which right. most of you listening to this have heard us talk about different principles or at least just how much influence that's had on us. So I thought we'd start, and i just ask you, what was what was that day like? Yeah. It wasn't the same as a full workshop, but what was, right. it, what was it like to have those pastors come into our church and study together? Yeah, yeah. So I think for, for me, maybe even in contrast to you, it's interesting because... And I've been exposed to some of the Simeon Trust stuff through you and through some of the stuff that you and Bill and myself will do. Um, but this was kind of my first uh, firsthand exposure to Simeon Trust. So I was that was new, but then also we were hosting it. And so kind of seeing it from both those angles. Um, it was encouraging uh, in many ways, but uh, just thinking from a kind of numbers and looking forward perspective, we had something like 33 pastors there and probably representative of about 25 churches, something like that. Um, most of them from around here, but some drew, drove in from quite a ways um, as yeah. well. So that was great. And that, I'll just share for me personally, um, I think and we did some, there was both some, uh, some content regarding the conviction to be preaching the word itself. And then there was some um, content regarding how to do that, um, looking at structure and context and, you know, different kind of a tools type approach. Both were helpful, but I'll just share one thing uh, from the conviction part is um, our instructor, uh, Pastor Aaron Messner, talked about, you know, what's the mission of the church? And we could say it a lot of different ways, but in short, um, to, to see people saved and to see people sanctified, to come into the church and be built up in Christ. And he said, really, what does it take to accomplish that? And his short answer was a miracle. Um, and that was just really helpful to think, like, you're absolutely right. Like, that's something that we are totally incapable of doing. It takes a miracle of God, but then his point was, if it takes a miracle, if it takes a divine miracle, we have to give ourselves, we can only give ourselves to the methods that the miracle worker has given us. And, and that, you know, takes him into, we've got to preach the word, we've got to really bring out of the word what's there, nothing more, nothing less. Um, and so I was just, that was a really striking way to explain that. And it was compelling. And helpful for yeah, me. Yeah, Aaron and I had dinner the night before, and he said, you know, he was an adjunct professor at RTS in Atlanta as well. And he said, Jim, I've added some stuff of my own material through this. And so he actually, I didn't realize he was going to do it the next day in a much more, uh, you know, full way. I was very blessed by it Wednesday night over yeah. dinner, just thinking through, like, are there things, you know, you look at large churches. God, God blesses some churches with, with right. large numbers. Right. But there's a lot of things that, that we can get caught up thinking is what's needed. And, and just to have him yeah. dilute it down and say, you know, can really great music save a sinner? Like, can it? <laughs> nope. No. <laughs> like, how about a really great administrative engine in a church right. where people come, they drop their kids off, and you don't lose their child? Right. Like, their, their kids, it's you like, know? That's good. But... <laughs> that's awesome. Can it save anyone? No. Nope. No. No. Nope. And, uh, you know, how about... Uh, a compelling personality. A really a fun-to-listen speaker. speaker. Yeah. yeah. Can that save it's anyone? Fine, no. No. And so it was a really great launch. And so that's one of my takeaways is a preview workshop day versus a full workshop. We did less study of the tools of how to be, you know, growing in our word work. Right. But we did a lot of focus on the conviction. Yeah. 
And I think that makes sense in a preview workshop. We're trying to say, hey, we'd love to have these workshops come every year and start to dig into different genres of scripture and work on how to preach and how to understand God's scripture uh, and see Christ in it as well as apply it faithfully to our context. Um, The the day wasn't enough time to get too into the work of it. Yeah, yeah. So having Aaron focus on the conviction of why must we do this for pretty much the morning, I think was real edifying to the guys that attended. Yeah, and and then when we got to the tool section, he kind of it's like he mentioned the tools and talked about them, but we didn't. Yeah, right, there we, wasn't a whole lot of uh, all right. Let's practice using them, <laughs> which you know the full workshop gets a little bit more into that. Yeah, and um, maybe and so, I don't know. Most of the people that listen to our little chat here are from Christ Community, but um, you know AJ and I are privileged to have a continued conversation now with the Charles Simeon Trust because it does look like that they. One of our prayers was, would God show enough um, evidence of sort of an, uh, an upswelling of, of not just need, but also pastors in various churches from across different denominations in our region that would say, I'd come to a preaching workshop yep. at Christ Community. Yep. So it looks like it's going to be very possible for us to host in the, in the years to come. And so yep. we'll, we'll learn more of what that would look like. But yeah. I'm just thankful to Christ Community for helping support it. I'm yep. thankful. You know, AJ gave a, a small group presentation in front of a large group, which was, we'll just spare you the details there, but it was different than a normal workshop. Yeah. Um, the workshops yeah. always have small group components. And so we had a couple guys give presentations of their work acted like it was a small group, but it was everybody. So that was kind of different, but AJ did a great, yeah, AJ did a great job, which was pretty cool to see you do that. Um, so anyway, uh, well, let me ask you this, cause you've been doing the workshops for 20 ish years, yeah. something like that. And, um, this will, you know, we did, we did the preview, but as we begin to look towards hosting this, it may, you know, may probably next year and then in the years to come, what is that like for you to consider our church hosting this and preparing for that and just thinking about it being here as something that we're helping with? Yeah. So to hear you say 20 years, I'm like, is there, I like to round up. Everybody knows that because I get excited. So 30 um, years? No, it's not 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it actually, my first workshop was in 2002 because I was just about to yeah. finish seminary yeah. and um, went to my first workshop before we then moved to Tennessee in 2003. So what a huge... Uh, thing it's been in my life to just have guys who are just plodding away you know and I look outside the window with the construction going around our church and I just see guys that are just making a little bit of progress each day yeah they're digging the sewer lines and it's a, it's loud it's heavy um, and what we're called to do when we handle God's word is no less work it's work for God's glory just like I hope the guy that's digging the hole in the ground is doing it for God's glory yeah. but yeah. it is work and so this ministry for 20 years has just been sort of this encouragement to me as well as some tools for me to just say just do just just keep just keep plugging away at it just mm-hmm. just let, let the, the the sweat of your brow be uh filled with prayer and and i don't i don't get it right all the time but it's been so so neat and one of the things i told aj yesterday or this week anyway i think some of you know i've been listening to a podcast like much of evangelical christianity has uh, it seems like um I listened to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, Mars Hill Church, for those of you who don't know, it, it, I think, closed its doors in 2014. It was a mega, mega church, part of the Acts 29 network. Uh, Mark Driscoll was the pastor. He's still in ministry, but the ministry just imploded, and it was a sad thing. Um, and with the Charles Simeon Trust, I think it was 2012 or something like that, um, I went out to Seattle and did a workshop with Mars Hill mm-hmm. Pastors. Yeah. And as I'm listening to this podcast, I hear a lot of names of people that I know. In fact, people I've had dinner with. Um, And 
and that that whole Mars Hill thing, if you've listened to that podcast, there's lots of charismatic leadership personalities. There's sin. There's problems. There's major crossing bounds. But it's been really interesting for me to think about the inputs that God has put in my life over the last 20 years and where I could be mm-hmm. if, by God's grace, I had run toward other influencers as opposed to something like the Charles Simeon Trust saying, Jim, just do the work in the Word <laughs> and just try. You know, I'm a pretty charismatic personality. I'm pretty persuasive, I think. Yeah. But, but Jim, you need to try to get out of the way. Yeah. You need to not rest on your laurels of just trying to excite people to believe in something. Like only yeah. the Holy Spirit can do that. Yeah. You need to give yourself to work in a text, in its context. Can you see Jesus in the text? Because it's anchored by the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Okay. What did it mean to the original hearers? What does it mean to your audience today? If I didn't have a ministry, like just pouring that methodology into mm-hmm. me. Yeah. As I've been, mostly I'm on long runs listening to this podcast from Mars Hill. And I think, where would I have been? Hmm. What would I think is my role? Who would I become? Because yeah. I've had people say, you're pretty, you know, you're pretty energetic. And you... who would I have destroyed worse than I already have in my sin as a leader? Um, so it, it's, I'm, I know I'm being a little bit stream of consciousness here, but it's a real thing right now to be like last week, 33 pastors in a very non-sexy, non-exciting, no flashy lights, just... Let's just sit here and try to understand the Bible. Yeah. And I got to do that with a- my friend AJ and my friend Bill. And I looked out yeah. in the front room and there was my wife with our homeschool kids and a bunch of other families with Shannon organized it. A bunch yeah. of you guys brought lunches. And I went, right. is this not enough? Like, is this not what it's about? Like, it's not, you know, Yeah. It's not no flashy. one's looking to us going, wow, right. that looks so exciting. But I do feel like where my heart's at, I'm saying, God, thank you. This is so real. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm in a reflective place right now. Yeah. Well, and just one thing to add to that is, um, I don't know, a, a little chunk of time last week at that workshop was spent talking about grammar. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, how understanding the grammar helps us understand the text and then helps us then apply and preach the text. And, uh, I mean, grammar is not like, you know, that's like, really? Like, that's it? Like, <laughs> It's just this basic thing, yeah. But it's it's vital. It's critical, even though it's not flashy. Yeah, yeah. And I, please hear me. I don't want to throw stones at any church that has uh, has publicly closed or has gone through a, a dip in membership or has had a crisis. I mean, because but by the grace of God, it can happen, yeah. right? And I, yeah. I understand that. But just having Christ Community Church, which means so much to me, and God's work here means so much to me. It feels like home. I hope it's always our home to have something that I've been involved in, but always had to travel to, always had to get on an airplane or yeah. or drive somewhere just to go be around like-minded pastors who, from different denominations who are yeah. going to help help me grow. And it, again, to have it be here while I'm also thinking through what inputs could have led me somewhere else. Yeah. Um, I just thank God's Holy Spirit for that. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm personally thankful for that as well. Yeah, pretty cool. So, well, and that, you know, we didn't necessarily plan that, but it, that whole thought process that we're, the whole conversation so far connects pretty well to uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and a lot of what Paul says here 
Um, and, you know, connects to even things we've talked about before. But we're going to look at five, starting at verse 11, and I don't know, maybe go to the end of the chapter um, thereabouts. Um, and there's, uh, in this section of, of 2 Corinthians, there's two two verses in here that I know for me, and I think for a lot of people, are just super well-known um, and, and just amazing um, distillations of the gospel. Um, so with that, we can we can jump in here. Yeah, let's do it. So... Um, uh, just just starting out, I mean, right, verse 11, he says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Um, and, and, you know, there's a little bit of that note of what you were talking about, you know, persuasion and um, how we speak and teach and whatnot. Uh, but then he, it, it seems to me, uh, and even the, the word, the next word there, but uh, indicates a little bit, like he gives a little bit of a, all right, I'm going to talk about a little something related to this, but not exactly that. Um, there and he starts to you know what we are is known to God I hope it's known to you we're not committing ourselves to you and so he's kind of not defending himself to them but giving some ex- explanation there um, but just just looking maybe at that first paragraph yeah. anything that you want to jump into well you know he has said throughout the book of second Corinthians here that I want to I, I want to defend God's call mm-hmm. on my life but I don't want to commend myself yeah. Because he's the one that's made me sufficient. We looked yeah, at that a few right. a few times ago. Yep. So to yep. have Paul say, you know, it's our role to fear others, but we, because God knows who we are, we're not trying to be anything other than who we are. But our calling is to persuade others, and that's very very important. Yeah. Um, but we're not just trying to persuade persuade others with words or with our outward appearance. Um, we we. We should be persuading others with the love of Christ that's controlling all that we do. And so yeah. I think one yeah. of the powerful verses is when he talks about persuading others. In verse 13, what he says um, is basically when we think of the passion we have, like just it makes no sense passion. I'm just uh-huh. so all about what yeah. God's done. Yeah. That's not for others. That's yeah. for God. Yeah. That's my worship. That's my exalting. Yeah. Um, but then if we're trying to make things make sense, that's for others. Yeah. So the yeah. persuasion will... Be sensible to them. And so I think that's a powerful thing. Verse 13 is a really key thing. I'm always thinking vertically, who am I before God? That's my worshiping self. If I'm able to speak with clarity about the gospel of Jesus, that's not for God. That's for others. And then he goes into verse 14 and says, it's all bound up in or Uh it's motivated by Uh the love of Christ that controls us for all that we do. And so then he starts to just really get into almost a Christ-like description of our life. Like we we want to reflect that incarnation in the way we live. And so we don't want to live for ourselves, but for him who for our sake died and was raised. And for other people's sake died and was raised. So therefore, of course, our life should be about giving ourselves away. So it seems to me verse 11 through 15 in some regards, Paul's giving the motive a little bit Mm -hmm. of... uh, of his ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, and so from, from there, um, right. He makes this statement in verse 16. We regard from, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. What does that mean? So I think that what Paul is saying is, um, God knows he go back to verse 11. God knows who we are. Mm-hmm. And, um, we want you to know that we're genuine, but what what you think of us in our flesh is really of no account to us. It's yeah. how God views us. Yeah. So therefore, the love of Christ controls us, and we want to live out and share the gospel with you. And then when we see you, we don't regard you according to your 
performance in, our, in mm-hmm. things of this world. Mm-hmm. We don't regard you in regards your intellect. We mm-hmm. don't regard you in regards your stat, your status. Yeah. We regard yeah. no one according to those things yeah. because you're either in Christ. Yeah. Or you're not in Christ. Right. Right. And so I think that I think that seems to be where he's going, and then it makes sense. Yeah. That in verse 17 he says, because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You're a new creation. Yeah. So I can't regard you as an old creation yeah. self, as one yeah. who's broken, as one who's defined by the flesh and the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that makes sense. And I, I kind of mentally translate verse 16, I guess, as from now on, therefore, we regard no one in a worldly way yeah. um, or just from a human, philosophical, human perspective. Like there's there's more than meets the eye. Um, there's spiritual discernment. And that's, that's ultimately right. We once regarded Christ in that way. And, and for Paul, I mean, that was true. <laughs> he, you know, he regarded Jesus as not the Christ. Right. Um, without that spiritual discernment. Um, but now he regards him in, in another way. And then he goes into that. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Um, and so, I mean, that, that could be another phrase we could camp out on unless you have somewhere else you want to go. But like, what does he mean by saying that we're new creations in Christ? What, is, what does that mean? That's a big statement. Well, I think he goes on to say a little bit what it means uh, in the latter half of verse uh, 17. The uh-huh. old has passed away, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself. So the new creation self is one who's no longer at enmity with God. Yeah. I haven't reconciled with God. Um, yeah. We still live in the flesh. He hasn't come and given us new bodies yet. But by grace through faith, we're not the old self that, that was at war. With God, we've been reconciled to God. And I think yeah. that's an important thing that he goes to there. The other thing, when in verse 18, he says, all this is from God. I want to think that that's not just being a new creation. Yes, it's God's work to make us a new creation. I think he's also saying, it's from God that we can regard no one according mm-hmm. to the flesh. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, God gets the credit for changing our worldview. God gets the credit for certainly changing our old self into something new. Yeah. yeah. I think it's both. Yeah. That, that absolutely makes sense. Um, yeah, and I think, and it just makes me think of, um, you know, there's there's other places where Paul will talk about, uh, like in Ephesians and, and Colossians, of put on Christ, put on the new man. The old man has died, you know, put on the new man. And I think that's that's a lot of what's in view. Like, we are new things. <laughs> we're, we're not just um, better or different. Like, there, there's actually a newness to the creation that God has made us in, um, or renewed us in, and then that's, Ultimately, if you think of it from the individual aspect, that individual new creation is part of a larger cosmic new creation. Um, and, and to use uh, Paul's word in 1 Corinthians 15, um, where Christ is the first fruits. Um, like he's the, the, the tip of the spear of that new creation that bringing about everywhere. And, and we as individual believers get to taste that kind of in, a, in an individual personal way too. Absolutely. And he does go to the cosmic in 19. Yep. God was reconciling the world to right. himself. Um, the, the linear, maybe that's not the best word, but the way that Paul orders his argument here is pretty fascinating mm-hmm. to me. You know, so he talks about how we regard others. Then he talks about who we are in Christ and that you can't regard someone as old if they've been made new. Yeah. And then he goes further from that. So this isn't just us that have been made new. And if it is us, we have a ministry to the world now to reconcile the world together. They would be made new. And then it talks about in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. It, you know, because th- he's going to be about doing that in the, in the end. Therefore, verse 20, we're ambassadors of Christ now to the whole world. Mm-hmm. So... 
those who have been made new in Christ become ambassadors for Christ in the world that God will make new. Yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, it's fascinating in verse 20 that you have the kind of the human perspective, if you will, is that we are his ambassadors and ambassadors have a role to play. They have a job to do. But then he says, God making his appeal through us. Um, So he's ultimately saying that in the proclaiming of the gospel, we get to be God's ambassadors, but that it's not just us. It's not a, it's not just a message about Jesus. It's actually God speaking. (laughs) It's actually God's message about Jesus um, being made through us. It, it's a calling to all of us to join the Apostle Paul in just a strong desire for evangelism. And mm-hmm. I think it's something I can repent of and think, gosh, when's the last time I just looked at someone and pleaded mm. with them, be reconciled to God. Yeah. Be reconciled to God. Why? Because of what Christ has done to reconcile us to God. So yeah. then he goes in verse 21, such right. a famous verse, right? Yeah. Be reconciled to God because of what Jesus did. And because of what God did to his son, he made him to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. So be reconciled to God. Um, There should be sort of an infectious feel, I think, to this of saying, would that I was that, you know, wherever I go. Yeah, yeah. Like that reality should produce an affection within us or a passion, right, within us that leads to action. And it doesn't doesn't always do that. Yeah. Um, But it, it ought to. Um, let me ask you this, um, even just thinking about, right, our, our podcast is called Contextualized. So in the immediate context, Paul is talking about himself here. Correct. So ha- just, just help us think through, like, I, I think it's right, and we both just went there. We applied this to kind of all believers now, which I think is fair, but Paul's not talking about all believers in the immediate context. So how, I don't know, how does this apply to Paul, like in his argument? And then how do we, how, how do we um, rightly yeah. bring that to us as well? Well, if we just start in verse 16, I mean, cause if we go back to 11 to 15, Paul is, every time he says we, he's talking about himself as an apostle, I think, yeah. with yeah. the apostles. So yeah. um, we are beside ourselves, verse 13, for the love of Christ controls us. We, the apostles, I included this, you know, that basically, um, the gospel is our motive for all that we're going to do. So verse 16, we, as an apostle, regard no one according to flesh, even though we once regarded Christ that way. But then he does go universal in verse 17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for us to observe the subject changes that happen in the sentence. And so yeah. for one, to answer your question, when the sentence in 17, after it says the big therefore, changes from just being about me and us to anyone right every believer yeah 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 um and then I, I would say in verse 19 all this is from god who through christ reconciled us who's uh-huh. us i would wager to say that the antecedents of the word us is actually what he said in verse 17 it's uh-huh. anyone who's in christ with me paul uh-huh. so now us doesn't mean the apostles us is like all of us who through christ god reconciled us to himself and yeah. then and so i think that we're invited into that same ministry of reconciliation yeah so i think there is an, uh, an apostolic focus of paul's self calling yeah into the big picture of the gospel for everyone back into himself as being one with everyone who's uh-huh. in christ yeah and i think that that's where it's okay for us to say yeah 
I should have that desire to be an ambassador. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it, yeah, I mean, it, it does make logical sense, right? Like, oh, if we've been reconciled, like we get to, <laughs> we get to be on the team too, kind of, kind of deal. And um, in our community groups in Ephesians, so Ephesians is, is current in my head. And one of the things Paul teaches in Ephesians is that the apostles and the prophets are, are the foundation of the church of which Christ is building. And so he, he just describes the apostles and prophets. And, and then in chapter three, actually says that they've received the revelation of this kind of the, the new covenant mystery, the gospel um, fully revealed in the new covenant. And um, the way he talks about it there is as if the apostles have a foundational role as ambassadors, but that's not to exclude everybody else from also being, being ambassadors. ambassadors yeah. And I think that fits well with what he's saying here. too. I, I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So. But that is an important question because Paul was called to uniquely lay down his life. He was called to uniquely go out. He was not just um, a teacher guy. Right, right. He had Christ. He was commissioned by Jesus himself. Exactly. And so we need to see that. Um, And so that's why throughout 1st and 2nd Corinthians when he's saying, i got to commend myself, but I'm not going to commend myself. He's basically saying, I have been given authority. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that when he says all of us are in Christ together. It, we're being invited into the motive yeah. and into the sense of call, even though the office or the foundation of his apostolic right. role right. is not duplicated in my life or yours. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add one thing to that of, of why, why thinking through that question might be helpful um, of, of, okay, how does this apply in Paul's context and how might we apply it today? Um, I think I would say the tendency would be to, to just kind of take this pretty quickly from like, oh, yeah, this is just applying, you know, let's apply this to all believers today. And we, we, we got there and we went there. But I think if we only do that, if we go there too quickly, we miss kind of the argument that Paul's making in context. And we miss um, even just how I mentioned the connection to the foundational role of the apostles. And um, like we miss a lot of that um, contextual meaning, I guess, of it, even though we, we are going to something that's true. We, we miss all of it. Yeah. So, just a thought. That's great. Only last comment I'd say is not directly related to that, but I want to just, if anybody's looking at their Bible while reading this, if you look at 16 to 21, I just want to point out how many times in Christ mm. is mentioned or something like that. Mm-hmm. So verse 17, if anyone's in Christ, 18 through Christ, 19 in Christ, God was reconciled in the world to himself. Verse 20, we are ambassadors for, for Christ. Christ. We implore you on behalf of Christ for our sake. You know, he made him to be sin uh, so that in him or in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So um, just those prepositions all stand out so strongly. And so as we even talked about the Charles Simeon Trust workshops, we want to stay in context to say, well, is Paul talking about himself or is he talking about every believer? And I think we would want to navigate that. But then also not to say, well, be like Paul. Yeah, That's not what's being said here. Paul is so linking his life to christ yeah. we have union with christ as like the yeah. centerpiece yeah. of this passage right. and so yep. that's why it's good uh, i would just bring that about um union with christ in all sorts of things His yeah righteousness our sin you know right uh, and, and and just to maybe look at 21 real quick with that idea of union with christ um we might say the first half of 21 is jesus united himself to us in in, in the the full depth of our sin right he took on every bit of our sin but then the second half of 21 is is our being united to him in his righteousness. Um, so we can think about with union. Other, others have talked about this as a, the great exchange where Jesus 
takes our sin in all of its depth and ugliness and gives us his righteousness. And one question I, I like to ask, or I've often asked college students with this passage is, if you've been given, or if you've become the righteousness of God, is there anything you can do to add to that or take away from it? <laughs> it's like, no, like it's Jesus's righteousness given to us and it's perfect. Like we can't, we can't touch it. It's his, but it's gifted to us. So what a lame goal to just get better. <laughs> right? I just want to be better than I was yesterday. No, just you have become simple. the righteousness yeah. of God. Yeah. Uh, and so when we see, see ourselves then not living in conformity to his law, to repent and believe the gospel is to what? Be convicted again that God has made us yeah. his righteousness in his sight. Yeah. And that's unbelievable. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool to show that passive and active sense of the righteousness of Jesus at the end. And I like how you just described it for us. But what a great... Very common text of scripture, yeah. pointed to often. I think we use Second Corinthians five twenty one often in mm-hmm. church, just in in worship services, right. just to yep. say it. So, yep, absolutely. Anything else? No. All right. We'll see you next week. Have Second a fantastic week to come. <laughs>